Welcome to this edition of Don't Listen to Us. I'm Sean King. This is episode number 38. 38. I'm Melissa King. How you doing? Good. Sitting with your fingers up in the air. Well, I paint my nails during the show now because it's the only time I actually sit still for an hour. That's a good point. Because usually I paint my nails and then I'll think, oh, they must be dry now. i got to go do that. And then I wreck them all and I hate it. And then around, I remove the polish. It's just ridiculous. It's very funny. So I'm held hostage to the microphone and my nail polish dries. You are one, one of the most wonderfully feminine women I know and yet... Your nails, you can't do anything with them. Nope. You just mess them up all the time. All the time because I can't sit still, you know. You know, you're supposed to sit and let them dry. Well, shouldn't you like meditate at that time? Wouldn't that make more sense? Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> you keep yeah. doing Anyhow, things with them. But this is, I realize, oh, I can sit and do my nails while I do the show because I'm sitting there doing the show. Fair enough. Did you know that Canada is considered the most Christmassy country in the world? <laughs> Why? Because of all the snow. Taxi to Airport just released a list of the 25 most Christmassy countries in the world, and Canada took top spot. Mm-hmm. The list measures countries across the globe based on Christmas travel recognition, the chance of snow, Christian population, Christmas search interest, and the popularity of Christmas music. <laughs> <laughs> Buble <laughs> must be him. That's right. He's come out of his he's cave. He's come out of his cave now, and it's starting. The, bu- the Buble has seen his shadow, uh, and <laughs> we will have six more weeks of Christmas music. Oh, you can get his CDs at discount at London Drugs, I think. It's I. I he is. We're talking about uh, the Canadian singer Michael Buble, who is a uh, crooner in yes. the tradition of Frank Sinatra. He's nowhere near as good as those guys. Oh but. no, but you know. He does have a, you know, he has a, a nice voice. He does. He but does. It's pablum. Oh, it's just. It's, oh, exactly. Sorry. It's saccharine. It, it, yeah. Annoying. I, he, his, he's got a wonderful family. I hope his son's okay. His son has a, had a cancer scare, uh, I think about six months to a year ago. Um, he's from Vancouver. Everything. You said you think he's arrogant. Well, I don't want to be too mean. I've just, I've seen him interviewed and I've thought, ew. Isn't that funny? I've seen him interviewed and he he seems like a typical Canadian. Very. Well, maybe it was just some things that he said and the mood I was in. It's funny. I don't know. Anyway, though, it's uh, the, the, the running joke is that Michael Buble, you don't see him in the, in August. You know, you you don't. Oh no! He only comes out. Comes out. Mid November. He does. Does his Christmas special. (laughs) And then goes back into his cave for, like Santa himself. You know, it's very, very funny. (laughs) Um, Canada Canada listens to an impressive amount of Christmas music, according to Taxi to Airport, and its most distinctive Yuletide anthem is the actual country. No, oh. no. What what song is the most distinctive Canadian Yuletide anthem? Oh, I don't know. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Sarah McLaughlin's away way in a manger. <laughs> oh my gosh. So it's Sarah, too. Sarah's yep. guilty, too. Canada also has the sixth highest chance of snow on the big day. Not here in Vancouver, but everywhere else. Pouring rain here. Uh, following Canada, there are nine other countries that are considered the most Christmassy in the world. Would you like to take a guess? All right. Let's see. Well, that must be some of the Scandinavian countries, like Finland Ding, and Sweden. Yes, and, too correct. Um, Switzerland, of course. Uh, Norway. No, Switzerland's not on the list. Norway is. Um, what about Iceland? Iceland's on the list. Iceland's on the list. Yeah, four out of nine. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the mm-hmm. smallest countries in the world. One of the smallest countries in the world. In Europe, and, and, an L. There's two of them that are in Europe, starts an L. Not Lithuania. It's not the smallest country in the world. Liechtenstein. Oh, I don't know what Lichtenstein is. It's obviously near Germany somewhere or something. But Lithuania is on the list. Oh, Lithuania. As is the USA, UK, and Ireland. Oh, what's going to say Ireland? I would love to be in Ireland for Christmas. That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was a, a funny little <laughs> <clears throat> thing. Yay, Canada. Yay, us. <laughs> and you know what? We, we should be in that list, at the top of the list, because you know we have the North Pole. We do. So that only makes sense that you know Santa lives in Canada. That's right. A lot of Americans... Darn tootin'. I love telling the story. I tell the story every year around this time. A lot of Americans don't realize it. But here in Canada, I think it's around the world. If a kid writes a letter to Santa and addresses it to Santa Claus at the North Pole mm-hmm. with the zip or postal code of 
H O H in Canada it's we go letters, numbers, letters, numbers. Mm-hmm. So it's H zero H zero H zero or ho ho ho. Mm-hmm. Canada Post will deliver that mail to air quotes Santa. Mm-hmm. What happens is Canada Post employees on their time off mm-hmm. will respond to those letters to kids, yes. which I think is the wonderful tradition yes. that Canada Post has been doing for years. Unfortunately, we're on strike. They're on strike, yeah. so yeah. I don't know how it's going to affect. It means they have a lot more time to uh, answer, <laughs> answer letters. Um, <laughs> so what are the uh, – uh, What's the date today? Today is the, the ninth. The ninth. Oh. So the week ago, we celebrated our first first anniversary. Yes, we have a second first anniversary coming up <laughs> on December twenty third. Can you get a bit confusing? It really is as I get older. Um, and one of the things is, I am so appreciative of the fact that my wife, in no way, shape, or form, is a bridezilla. You are calm, cool, collected, chill. You, we had a simple little ceremony here in our own home, and then in Australia we had another simple little ceremony with family oh, overlooking a, a beautiful beach in Australia with family and, and friends around. It was fantastic. Children running around. It was beautiful. If you did this, mm-hmm. I would not marry you. Well, you already have. So. I know. What I'm saying is if this was the kind of wedding you wanted or this is the kind of bride you were, mm-hmm. hey, everyone, who's ready for Hawaii 2019? Boom, right there. I'm done. All right. I will never go to a destination wedding. Oh. A friend of mine just told us they can't come to us with, for, for Lisbon because their sister ha- is having her second ceremony in Mexico. Even if it's your first ceremony. No, I'm not going to Mexico. So everyone goes to. Yeah. So what you're doing is you're telling your family and friends and loved ones, spend $2,000 and come to a foreign country with me. Is this done often? Yeah, they're called destination weddings. Destination weddings. And it is done fairly often, and I find it really offensive. So everyone's thrown together no matter what in some resort somewhere. Yeah. It's not just for the night. It's like for a week or well, something. Probably for the weekend at the very least. But even well, even that... Is beyond the point, past the point. What I'm saying is, you want, I want you to spend $2,000 to come to my wedding. No, I'm not spending a dime to come to your wedding, okay? Mm. Your wedding's either in the town I live in or I'm not going, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm not going. Well, if, if a friend got married in Vancouver, we'd go to Vancouver. Oh, yes, exactly. I mean, the lower mainland, yes. But yeah, outside of this, no, I'm not going. Mm. My, my beautiful, wonderful sister in, in, in Nova Scotia, yeah. if she said, Thank God she's happily married. But if she said, I'm getting married, I go, well, good. <laughs> I'm not coming. Here's a card. Too I'm not, far. It's $1,000 to fly to Halifax. Yes. So she says, in anticipation of the wedding, and believe me, I know it's a long way away, but I would still like to announce the dress code. I'm giving you a long notice of a year and a half so that you will have time to find and pick out something nice. Okay. It oh, yeah. Everybody weird, wants, it's a wedding. Everyone wants The dress code nice. is very specific because it will be used to create an incredible visual effect. Screw you. Oh, dear. Okay? Okay. It's getting worse. If done right, it will make our synchronized dancing. Ah, I'm out. Oh. I'm done. Oh. Oh. So you're forced into, like, yes. a play acting a, a certain role for this wedding. So without further ado, and this is where it gets really offensive. Women who weigh between 100 and 160 pounds. You should see a look on Melissa's face right now. You have to wear a green velvet sweater, orange suede pants. Okay, no one looks good in that outfit. All right? There is no one on the planet who's going to look good in a green velvet sweater and orange suede pants. And they have to wear red-heeled Louboutins. Louboutins are $700 a pair. Who is this? Men between 100 and 200 pounds. Have to wear a purple fuzzy jacket, a soda hat, all white sneakers, and glow sticks. Women over 160 pounds, all black sweater and pants, any material, and black heels. So we want you to disappear, basically. If you're a fatty, she's saying, I don't want to see you in my pictures. Men, all camouflage and black sneakers. Men over 200 pounds. The fuck is wrong with this person? Oh my. Children, red from head to toe. Remember, the kids will form the shape of our hearts. Needs to be true red, not blood orange or some bullshit. Additionally, but wait, there's more. Additionally, we will require that you wear formal attire after the dance has ended. Please bring a change of clothing. No, no. There is no... Okay, maybe if the queen invited me to a wedding, I'd wear formal attire. 
but otherwise I'm not wearing a formal freaking attire to your wedding. Well, what does she mean? Like I don't wear a formal attire to my wedding. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Remember, yeah. the venue is extremely upscale. We want to be looking our absolute best, ladies and gents. If you look like trash, so will we. We want you to invest in an outfit valued at least $1,000. You have a year and a half to get working. No excuses. I'm un-RSVPing to this crazy person. I just, you know, there's so many, so many things I could say right now. But I'm just too done with, I'm just not gonna. It gets worse. What? It's not over? Hello, invitees. A very important update. Please read. It's come to my attention that someone went all the way down in this group's creation to screenshot the dress codes. Screenshot was taken wildly out of context. I've seen my, my post twice on my regular Facebook. I could not be more crushed, betrayed, or saddened. I trust each and every one of you so intimately. Knowing someone went behind my back and made fun of me is one of the worst feelings everywhere. Oh, dear. And boy, will you be paying. Excuse <gasps> oh, me? Oh, oh. Oh, yeah. Oh. I said it gets worse. Therefore, I'm announcing one of the most unique parties you will ever be invited to in your life, besides my actual wedding. In honor of the snitch who sold me out, I'll be hosting the first ever polygraph party at my house this Saturday at 8 p.m. Bring your inner Sherlock home because we'll be hunting out the snitch who put me on blast. You think I'm kidding? I'm not. We just bought a real polygraph test for 99 bucks on Amazon.com. Oh, my God. Well, she's insane. After the testing is over and we find the rat who did this, we'll all celebrate with drinks and appetizers. If you can't make it to the polygraph party, you'll be presumed guilty. <gasps> Whoa. And uninvited to the wedding? Oh, well. I promise as long as you're innocent, you have nothing to worry about. I highly suggest whoever did this, just tell me. I won't retaliate. I'll simply cut all ties of communication with you. <laughs> Now that's a celebration. I think someone needs to look up the word retaliation. <laughs> that's exactly what you're doing, sweetie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you have any information about who violated my trust, I'll give you $100. Oh, $100. Oh, my God. She's awful. I, can, I think I even know what she looks like. It gets better. Finally, I'm outraged at the comments these internet trolls have made about the dress code. Do you know me? Do you know why we are doing things this way? No, then shut up. My husband and I... Okay. Are you sitting down? Because here, here comes the kicker. My husband and I are certified spiritual healers with over 10 years of experience. <laughs> our wedding colors, fabrics, and intimate synchronized dancing are something we hold very dear to our hearts. The expensive clothing represents the riches we wish to come. The oh. black and camouflage outfits represent the aura of the devil. They must shoo away. So the fat people... Get to be the devil. Represent the devil. Oh... The soda hats represent our wishes for an abundance of life. You get the picture. We met at a psychic desensitization chamber 12 years ago in Italy, as you all know. Why not bring our traditions and beliefs into our wedding? Okay, they're from California. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But they are definitely, oh they definitely reside in California. Wow. <laughs> I, no, that, that's not real. That can't be real. I am pretty sure I wouldn't even have this person in my life, let alone get an invite to the wedding. Oh, I know that already. Because if someone represented themselves in this way, first of all, if you call me, you call yourself a spiritual healer, I'm never speaking to you I know, again. Okay? I know, I know, I know you wouldn't. I have no problem with you believing in spirituality, having spirituality. No. But have, being a spiritual healer, <laughs> we're done. We're done. I want nothing to do with you. Oh, my gosh. I carry these crystals around because they give me healing power. <laughs> they don't. They're fucking rocks, okay? They might be pretty rocks, but they're still rocks. Sweetheart, sometimes the things that people believe in their minds, if, they're, if they have good intentions and if they're healthy thoughts, I'm all for it for them. If it makes a difference, it's like little placebos in their brains. Now, that's an interesting way of saying that, if they're healthy thoughts. Yeah. I And I agree with you on that. Mm. But I don't think... Imbuing rocks with spiritual powers is healthy because what a lot of people do, and, and, and rock crystals are pretty. We have you have crystals hanging in, in the window. Oh, in the that's room. because of the light. And I love the way the little rainbows come. Yeah. I love those crystals. They're yeah. beautiful that way. But too far too many people um, give crystals powers that they don't have, okay? Like healing powers. So you see people putting crystals on their 
sores and on their chest to heal their heart. And that could, no, that's not going to work. No. Even as a placebo, that's not going to work. Go to the fucking doctor. It, one reason why I'm pissed off with this, this is one of the reasons why Steve Jobs died. Yes, because what was he, he was... knew he had this very, very lethal cancer, and instead of going and getting aggressive treatment for it, he went off on some spiritual healing retreat for six months. And so the cancer went, really? <laughs> Going to eat you from the inside out, dumbass. Mm. And there's no guarantee the doctor would have been able to save him if no. he had gone in the next day. No. But waiting six months for treatment can't be good. No. Cannot be good. In it was, it would have been against the advice of the oncologists, I'm sure. No, I understand. But I, I think that it's okay for people to have symbols of uh, – uh, uh, to remind them of certain things that they want to manifest in their lives. You that I, doesn't bother me. You and I have talked about this before, and, and, and it's hard for me to disagree with you. I want to, but it's hard to disagree because you have this, have had this wonderful, um, kind look on life and the world and people. And so you, as you describe it, manifest good thoughts. I try to. No, that doesn't work all the time, but. And you believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, that, that manifesting those good thoughts brings good into your life. Yes. So thinking good things and good things happen. Yes. That's, that's a short Well, because you're creating a, a certain energy. Okay. I don't believe in that. But it, it, I can't disprove it because I can't work up those positive thoughts that you do. I th I'm, I'm not saying I'm, I'm depressed and think negative about everything all the oh, time. Oh, no. But – I don't believe that simply thinking good things brings good things into my life. You know what I mean? I see what you mean, but even if even if you uh, uh, if there's awful things happening and you turn it around, it can even create a different feeling inside of yourself. If even and it can be, I mean, I know I have one of my dearest dearest beloved friends. She puts a lot of positive affirmations on stickies, just on her mirror, just. Just so she can glance up and go, yeah, that's right. I want to remember that today. And they're all over her mirror and they're in her kitchen and things like that. Just as a reminders, because that positivity changes your, your energy structure. And so, and I've, I can actually be absolute in saying that my witness, just watching her, I know when her vibration is up because she's shining. She's literally shining. She's so beautiful. And then when she's not, when she's not practicing that, I see that dullness come and, she, and then the struggle. And you can see it within yourself. You can see it within yourself. Like I sometimes I feel like I'm shining and I'm doing great and I've finished my yoga practice and I've done my positive just telling myself I love myself and that I'm – courageous and strong and you've got this and, and I feel great. But if I stop doing that for a period of time, I know that it affects my my affect and my demeanor and the way that I uh, deal with the world. You know, like I, said, I, can't, I can't dispute that because I can't um, – I have no evidence against it. I can't prove that what you're saying is incorrect. I, be, I don't believe for me it works, but I can't manifest those good thoughts the way, you, the way you're talking about it. I do believe, though, of, and this may sound like it's counterintuitive or, or hypocritical, in the energy of people. Yes. Especially people I'm close to. You've seen me do it with you on a regular basis, where Melissa will come in the room and I'll go, what's wrong? Oh, he immediately, yes, Sean is incredibly um, intuitive that way. Mm-hmm. Because it, I don't know if I describe it as energy or whatever it is, but I just get the sense that you are unhappy about something mm -hmm. either usually something i did <laughs> <laughs> but but even if it's something about money or the kids or mm -hmm. something like that you come in and i'm like i know immediately that there's something wrong it's kind of eerie sometimes yeah, it does so then you do but it does i just go huh? like sometimes I'm, <laughs> something would have just happened Ooh, how does he know so therefore you do agree and it has been scientifically proven that we are energy and that we do exude energy and that there's different energies uh, within us and all around us all the time because, you know, we're energetic beings. No, we're electrical be beings. So you're talking about a whole different thing. You're saying that we exude energy. Well, yeah, we exude electricity. Well, we're made up of energy. 
I mean, everything well, yes, is. Yes, yes. If you were going, going to go back to quantum physics, yes. But I'm not. You're saying that energy has a a aspect to it to it that you said it's been scientifically proven. I, no, it hasn't. It, it, there's no scientific proof that we give off anything other than electrical energy. But they've done scans that show different colors and things like that. Yeah, not, no reputable scientist has done that stuff. Those are all scam artists. Those are all those are all shamans. Those are all people who are trying to sell you something. That whole oh. that whole fingers on the on the thing that you've seen. Remember when you were a kid, you saw that people would put and you could see the aura of the person's fingers. No, it's all bullshit. Oh, you know, I didn't. I guess for me, it just comes down to there's a vibration and a frequency within us. And you can up your vibe. I mean, you can actually make a decision and go, I'm going to up my vibration because I'm feeling shitty and I'm just, you know, there are, I'm having thoughts and they keep um, feeding into themselves and I'm just feeling, I know I can do better than this. And so if you start to change your thoughts, you can feel that, and, and it's work. I'm not saying this isn't work. You have to work at it every single day yeah. in life. It's hard work. But if you can keep it up, you can see a difference. You know, you have a better day, I, even if you force a smile on your face. Yeah, to me, that's, that's I was about to say, that's forced stuff. And I, I don't necessarily believe that, you know, uh, fake it till you make it is basically what, what that is. I do agree that our actions can make us feel ways. I mean, if if if, if and when we buy tickets to uh, Lisbon for our photography trip, I'm going to feel great. Uh, yes. And that's going to carry me forward. Yes. But that action is what's making me feel good, not me thinking good thoughts about the action before the action happens. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's the action that will make me feel good, not, ooh, I'm thinking good thoughts and good things will happen to me because of these good thoughts. Mm-hmm. I suppose. But the argument can be made that because I'm I'm thinking bad thoughts, the bad things happen. You've you've said that to me many times. Yeah. When I talk about my bad luck and, and how Well yeah, your shitty life yeah. and it's just my fucking shitty luck. Excuse me, sorry, but that that's what he says. <laughs> so to me I go, well no, because you're man and you're gonna manifest that if you keep saying it's just my shitty luck or this is oh my life and it's just no, it's not your life. It doesn't have to be. Yeah, you've had some shitty luck, but the other, on the other hand, too, is you also can't deny that there are days or periods in your life where you aren't feeling well, and you have to accept that. You have to go, hello, darkness or fear. Hey, I see you. I know you're there. And and uh, he, they're kind of that fear or what, or whatever is leading the way at that time, and you just have to accept it. You ever heard of something called technoference? Technoference. Yes. No. It's like interference. It's like but, interference. But technology. No. This is, without a doubt, the stupidest headline <laughs> I read all last week. I was on Instagram. The baby fell down the stairs. Is your phone use harming your children? No, the fact that you're a moron is harming your children. I'm sorry. So this person was on Instagram and they weren't watching their baby. And the Earlier baby this fell- year, Sarah Davidson had what she calls a massive wake-up call about the damage our relationships with our phones can do to our children. Oh, hello. Where have you been? Mother of two from London was mindlessly scrolling through her mobile, sucked into the Insta-vacuum when her eight-month-old baby crawled across the bedroom floor and onto the landing. I heard a thud, then a cry. My brain, transfixed by my phone, took a couple seconds to realize she had tumbled down the stairs. I hadn't even noticed she was out of sight. My stomach turned. That's got nothing to do with your phone. No. Everything to do with you are a moron. Well, okay, so tell me, when you're out in the community, I've seen it many times and it gets talked about a lot these days. You've got first of all, you've got children in strollers that are usually facing away from you. Yes. And children go from car seats to strollers to being pushed around, not really connecting with anyone. <laughs> and then they f- might fall asleep and wake up and go, you know, where the heck am I now? Yeah. Where are those people that are supposed to take care of me? Oh, they're behind me, I can hear their voices. Yeah. How many times have you seen people sitting with their children on their devices? All the time. We saw the woman in Australia. With, 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 with yeah, two, we were at Blackbutt Reserve, and yep. she was. At, and those actually, those twins were they, they were compromised yep. neurologically somehow. Very sweet, lovely. We were there for boy. half an hour, and she had not looked up. 
she was sitting there on her phone. She was in this beautiful place, no peacocks walking around, and the kids were wandering about. Wandering about, and she was on her phone. You see it all the time, all the time. But my argument is that's not the fault of the phone. Those are just shitty parents. They'd be shitty parents regardless of whether they had a phone or not. They're still shitty parents. Well, uh, okay. I don't want to blame – you can't blame an inanimate object. But then the subject comes up as to the the drawing in of this technology that you do it, because it's so visual and we get trapped – and we do cut, we do block out everything else around us while we're doing it. But don't, but my point is don't blame the technology for that. Oh, no, no. You need to go, my baby's on the floor. I'm with my babies right now and I can check Instagram exactly. later when they're napping. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's your, it's her fault for prioritizing Instagram over their child. Absolutely. It's not That's, Instagram's it's not, fault. It's your fault for having your priorities all messed well, up. Well, and she's... She's um, copying out. She's going, well, it's the, it's the phone's fault. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Instead of going, well, no, you weren't watching your eight-month-old. And believe me, eight-month-old move quickly. If if they, <laughs> they do. And you know what you do? If you want to check Instagram with the baby in the room, close the door. Yep. Go into a bedroom and close the door. Close yep. the or windows. put your baby gate up. Exactly. So you know they're safe. Many parents feel adrift in this new era of technology. This is not a new era of technology. Parents have always felt adrift. Neanderthal parents were going, oog, 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 when their children wandered off, too. This is, this, is a, this is a factor of parenting and children. You've got to focus on little bastards because mm-hmm. they do things, right? Mm-hmm. This is, this is good. You have taken the responsibility on voluntarily, involuntarily, to, to take care of this little creature. Mm-hmm. But the little creature is not a block of wood. It's going to do stuff. Mm-hmm. It's going to wander around. It's going to pull things down. It's going to all that kind of stuff. And you've got to take that responsibility of putting your phone away. While the little creatures around. Mm-hmm. Those with teenagers feel in constant conflict over screens where leniency, rules, and even bans all fail in different ways. Those with younger kids are trying to entertain and appease them while instinctively wanting to limit time on devices that seem to do everything possible to keep children hooked. That is definitely a problem. We, You didn't have it with Damon when he was because oh. there wasn't this level of technology around for Damon. Damon had... Um I think he had a place to – Damon's just never been a gamer. He's not that kind of kid, yeah. Well, because he wasn't born into it. So he had a long period, the the formative years of his life, where he wasn't exposed to it. And so he would go to birthday parties when he was, you know, just uh, in kindergarten or just early elementary school. And if there were video games, I used to watch him. He didn't have any – he wasn't adept at it at all. He'd move the controller to, to move the character on the screen, yeah, yeah. and I'd say, hey, look at Damon. He doesn't <laughs> – he's illiterate when it comes to gaming. He didn't have a clue. And so, therefore, Damon, now 21, has never been a gamer. Yeah. He would play Wii a bit or – oh, he used to have a DS. Yeah, Nintendo DS. Nintendo DS, and he used to play Zelda. Rory was born into it, and Rory, for because of who he is, um, he's sort of a loner in a way. He loves to be at home in his pajamas. Like he's just bo- he's just meant to fall into the cavernous yeah. state of being a gamer. And it's hard for us to. We're not. Well, I'm not. Most of them is much more so than I am. Outdoorsy. You know, I'm I'm a homebody too. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I'm not a, a, a hiker of woods or climber of mountains or mm-hmm. anything like that. Um, but I do recognize that, and you and I have worked on it in the last year that that we've been together of imposing limits on Rory. He hates it. He'd rather mm-hmm. play the game for twelve hours a day. He would. But we're 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 imposing limits on him now, which I think is good. I think it's it's. Yep, he's except. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, but but I do. But now I want now where everybody listening, we're going to use um, instead of us saying something, we're going to impose it upon him through his account. So I guess he'll be playing and it'll just suddenly stop. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that I'm so I cannot wait to do that. (laughs) No, I'm so worn. And this is what happens. And I, I mean, I'd love I'd love to get together with more. Responsible parents, because I am a responsible yes, parent. I'm yeah. extremely available for my sons. I mean, I'm worn out and tired of it, but I'm not like a, 
my sons, I wasn't one to leave my sons with people. They're very close to me yep. and um, as they are to their dad too. Yep. But I'd love to talk with more parents about it because it's only been you. You've come into my life and even in the last little while, you've seen how I've been so – being a single mom, I've been completely detached yep. from the whole what Microsoft – is taking from my account and Microsoft this and change it. Like you just lose. It's like managing a whole other piece of your life. And they do that on purpose. They make I it difficult. know. I hate them. I hate Microsoft. No. So now you have come in and gone, well, look at this money that you've paid and look at, no, no, they're taking this every month and da, da, da. And Microsoft um, blamed me for, um, our account being hacked into because I hadn't changed my password. And it's like, no, no, come on, you guys. So you've come along and gone, look, you can go in. There's these controls you can do. There's you can put time limits. And I'm going, wow, I want all other parents to realize this because I had lost control. So uh, we're going to do that, but I I, want to talk to other parents about, don't you get so tired of going, okay, you've got another half an hour. Okay, mom. It's like, I'm so done with it. I am so done. Like I am emotionally drained from it. So, and I firmly believe it's because you don't beat him enough. <laughs> if I use Sean that, thinks I should beat him. If I use that tone with my mother, oh, the next she, my mother would say, if you use that tone with me again, I'm going to smack you. Mm-hmm. Okay, mom, ow, you know you're 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 getting a smack. Mm-hmm. I I know a lot of people don't believe in beating children, not beating them, but smacking them around. Um, but it worked for my mom. Oh yeah, no, he, I've sm- I have smacked Rory, but no, he would, but, but that was under different circumstances, yeah. and I would never. I just. God. And the problem is you, you won't let me smack him now, so he can't learn anyway. No. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Don't send me emails. Emails, by the way, DLTU at YML.me. Each year, the Baby Center polls parents to find out what they've named their newborn. Based on that data, here are the top baby names for 2018. So tell me if you would name a girl child of yours any of these names. Sophia. Sophia is yes, lovely. I, I love Sophia. I love Sophia. Olivia. Beautiful. I like Olivia. I would. I've always wanted to have a daughter, so I could give her the middle name of Olive. As your gra- grandma, my, my grandma's middle name. Yeah, was Olive. and you could call her Ollie. Yeah, or Ollie. I think that's just so sweet. Emma. Oh God, that's been in the top three forever. Emma. Yes. Uh, it's not a great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't mind it, but it's okay. Well, Sophia and Olivia are definitely yes. better. Ava. I like Ava. Not so much. Because I know, because Rory's cousin's Ava, and she's just freaking stunning. She's gorgeous. Isabella. Isabella. I'd call her Bella. Bella. Mm-hmm. Belly. Mm-hmm. Easy. Aria. No, 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 no. No. So no, much. no. no. Riley. No. no. No, Amelia. No, 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 no I don't no. want to do Amelia. Mia. I'm, as in Mia Farrow? Yeah. No, no. no. Layla. No. 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 Boys. Top 10 boys' names. Okay. Jackson. No. Yeah, no, I, no. I, it's I, just, we, we know a kid named Jackson. I know a bunch. He's and a great it's little just, kid, but. No, no. Liam. Yeah, I got to like Liam. It's no, Irish. No. Unless you are, in fact, Irish, don't name your child Liam. Why? Because he's not Irish. Well, Rory's not Irish. What? Rory. Is Rory an Irish name? Very much you so. Should we call him that then? That's oh my god. Well, he does that. His grandfather was a full-blooded Irishman. Noah. No. 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 Aiden. No. 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 Caden. No. no. Grayson. No. Lucas. No. No. Mason. No. Oliver. No. Elijah. Elijah's pretty. I call him Eli. I kind of like that. Yeah. My uh, my brother's one. Well, my nephew. One of my nephews is Maximilian. I Maximilian. Oh yeah, that's a cool name. It's a great name. That is a cool name. But he's always going to get Max. He's always going to Max. But still, his, yeah. name is, his name is Maximilian King. Oh, that's so. Isn't cool. that a great name? Uh, Maximilian King. I mean, he's got to go places. <laughs> it's the best name ever. <laughs> Maximilian King. That's pretty cool. That's that's a great name. I absolutely love that that kid's name. Never met him, but I love his name. Uh, where was I? Oh, this is a story. Um, 
it happened. It's a, it's a tragedy. Um, Ar- Argentina lost a submarine with 44 sailors oh, on it. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, I remember. Year. Yes. They've just discovered it. Oh. And now they're thinking about raising the submarine. Should they? Well, for the families, it would be, would be. You think? I think it's very. It would be very important for the families. I, maybe it's because I come from a maritime province, from a family of sailors. I think they should stay together at the bottom of the ocean. What? That's their resting place. Yeah, that's where they. That's their burial ground. That's where they died. Um, they're safe there. They are. There's not nothing. Nothing's going to happen to them there. That's not going to happen to them on land. You know, their bodies are going to erode away. Mm-hmm. But there's something about it that I just I don't don't like the idea of disturbing them. Mm. And it's a it's a spiritual thing for me. It's just that's where they all died together. If you take them from that place, disperse them into their various families in Argentina, in various graveyards in Argentina, they're no longer together. I think for them to have died together, they should stay together. Hmm. I don't know why I feel that way. Well, what if there was a bunch of teenagers that got killed in a car together? I, in my mind, that's different because these were sailors. These were soldiers. These were pro- people protecting their country. They, were, they had a mission together, hmm. and they were pr- performing that mission. Hmm. Very noble mission. For anyone who knows me or has listened to my podcast knows how the reverence I hold all soldiers in of any country. If you're willing to die for your country, then uh, you have my utmost respect. Um, so, yeah, for some reason my brain says I, I want them to stay hmm. in that space. Yes, I see what you mean, though. I do. I have always wanted, and I don't think I've ever told you this. I don't think I've ever told anybody this. Ooh, ooh. ooh. Revelations here on a Sunday ooh. afternoon. <laughs> One of the, it's not a dream, but if I was independently wealthy, I would, and I, I see it every time we drive down the 101 highway here, there is a graveyard that you can see from, from the road. Yes. And I, I remember seeing it, there was a particular graveyard in Vancouver. I used to uh, dr- take the bus by all the time. And I've always wanted to be a caretaker of graves that didn't have anyone to take care of them that i would you would find out which graves um you'd see which one didn't have flowers on especially veterans especially um soldiers and i would groom their headstones and and their and their plots and put flowers on them on certain days and that would be my job Mm. i would do that on a daily basis i would go into to the because there's so many people who are forgotten um, people who did the simple act of bravery of serving their country, but no one's ever going to know their name. And maybe their family's gone. It's been there's a uh, in Halifax. There is the only Crimean War memorial in North America is in Halifax, and there are a bunch of headstones from soldiers of the Crimean War. Those headstones are in disrepair now. Those families are probably gone or forgotten about them, and the headstones are overgrown. There are weeds. There's no flowers on them there's no flags on on remembered day things like that mm-hmm. and I'm, there's a part of me that always wants to remember those people I, I, I didn't know them i don't know who they are i don't know anything about them but just by visiting those headstones on a daily or weekly basis um there's something there in my mind that i think i would like to be able to do mm-hmm. uh, i don't know why i've always felt that way I used to always go with my grandmother to the crematorium we'd do a big drive to the crematorium and that's just plaques, you know, how it's just all those plaques up on then. She would shine up the plaques of family members mm-hmm. and people that she yep. knew, and that was what she loved to do. Fifteen forgotten niceties we should be bringing back. Hmm. Little things, mm-hmm. like hat tipping to ladies. Mm. Is that sexist? Is that chauvinistic? Is no, that? No, I think it's delightful. No one does it because, hey, no one wears hats that... anymore, but toques. Toques and baseball caps and things like that. Mm hmm. Uh, this is my number one thing, waiting to speak. <laughs> it's definitely one of my pet peeves in relationships is people interrupting. Go ahead, you can speak now. <laughs> Sometimes I'll go, can I talk now? And I'll go, yes, 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 you can. It just, to me, an interruption is a sign that the other person, A, isn't listening to you, and B, doesn't care what you have to say. 
because what they have to say is more important in this moment. And it really pisses me off when that happens. Yes. So it really, really bugs me. Social calls. We don't do social calls anymore. Oh. We, the, the, back in the Victorian era, people had a pretty great solution. Social calls. Between 3 and 5 p.m., women would schedule calls, allowing friends and suitors to drop by for a chat. Yes, I... Um, it sort of reminds me of Jane Austen novels, although often there would be a note to precede. That's right, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I know that's something I remember I'm, my mom, I don't know if this is a generational thing or a Nova Scotia thing, but it, there was no big deal for uh, one of the neighbors to just drop by for coffee. It wasn't oh. arranged, there was no phone call ahead of time. Oh, yeah. There'd just be a knock on the door. Hi, Mom, Mrs. Tyndall's here. Oh, yep. Bev, come on come in. Come on in for a cup of Oh, yeah, have, yeah. Have a, have a cup of tea. Oh, yeah. We don't do that anymore. No one does that. No one's ever come to our house just to have a coffee. Mm-hmm. It's always they'll call ahead or be invited or mm-hmm. – I don't know if that's a good or bad thing that they just show up. You know what I mean? I, I can't know. tell. Yes. Cats. Wally has an opinion on that. This is something that I'm surprised, according to this, has gone away. Greeting the host or hostess when you come into a party. Oh, yes, I would always go up. It's the first thing I would do. So, you know, hey, this looks wonderful. Thanks for inviting us yeah. here. We brought you a bottle of wine or whatever. Even if some stranger opens the door because the hostess is busy, the first thing I do is go and find the hostess. Oh, yes. Do people actually come in and sit down and have a beer and just... And not saying, I don't know. I don't know. Flowers <laughs> at the dinner table. Well, I love that. I think people don't do that anymore because it's expensive. It's too expensive. Mm-hmm. Unless, well, if I have flowers yeah. when it's flower season, I always have flowers in my house, even if it's just a little tiny bottle of them. Sending an RSVP. Yes. Well, nowadays you can RSVP. You get your invites electronically and you do it all electronically usually. And for me, the opposite, unsending RSVPs drives me nuts. I used to run a meetup group. With 3,000 people in it in Vancouver, and 30 people would sign up for the meetup thing, and then five would show up, which meant 25 didn't un RSVP. Mm, so you were prepared to be, yes. No, I, it's, it's sort of, it's very rude not to actually say something. Handwritten thank you cards. Oh, yes. I think that's lovely. We got it's one of those just from Susan, from Susan, which was so lovely. Yes, I agree that that's not being done enough. Punctuality. Has punctuality gone out of fashion? I didn't know, but I'm, I'm not sure. When it, when it comes to attending a dinner party, there's no, no such thing as fashionably late. Uh, it is proper to arrive from 5 to 15 minutes before the hour mentioned in the invitation. No, I don't agree with that. Don't show up early, but don't show up an hour late. No, no, especially for dinner. Yes. Oh, yes, no, no. And for right. a date or for an appointment? For a date or appointment, I definitely show up early. If I have a, a job interview or an appointment with somebody to, for a meeting, I desperately try to get there at least 15 minutes early. Yes. And for a date, usually a half hour early. Right. Not that I'm dating anymore. But. Why would you show up for half an hour early? Because I get late. I, I get lost going to places. So oh, I yes. Plan you, yeah, you do. I'm getting there a half hour early. Okay. Uh, tipping hotel employees. Yeah, I suppose so. The problem is, is something you and I have talked about before. It's, we don't have cash anymore. No. We don't walk like, around with dollar bills in our pockets anymore. No. You can just hand out to bellboys and maids and that kind of stuff. No. Do you? I know I don't, and you don't think you and I have. I, don't, I've, I, sh- I know I should do it, but I never remember to do it. You're supposed to tip the hotel maid. Oh. Generally about but five, you don't always see the, her, no, him you, or her. You put it in an envelope and leave it there on the bed for them. Oh, my gosh. No, I've, no I haven't done that. No, I've never done it. I know I should. Oh, I know. I know. I've been encouraged to. I know when we went on on the cruise ten years ago, that was part of the things they gave you. They said that generally five dollars a day. Yeah. So, you're so you're helping them out by you know because the big fella and the in charge of the cruise doesn't pay his people enough. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. I'm also a very, very, very nice hotel guest. Like I pile on my towel. Like I really do leave a room very tidy. You know. This is the a. Um Nicety, I'm glad, has, has gone away. Uh, apparently, um, in ancient Greece, it was considered rude not to offer guests a bath. <laughs> <laughs> Come on in. Your bath is ready. Fresh towels. See you after you get out. Can you imagine? That's so weird. <laughs> That's very weird. <laughs> you would walk in and go, no, no. 
I don't bathe. <laughs> just such a strange thing to <laughs> offer somebody. Is this the best job ever? A family is hiring someone to act as their photographer on a trip around the world with all expenses paid and a $100,000 salary to boot. Chosen candidate would be expected to travel for up to three months at a time. Highlights include the Grand Prix in Monaco, Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Um, family the family states they will be traveling to and from their many residences and holiday homes across Europe, America, South America, and Australia, where the photographer will be asked to take photos of the family. And what was your question? The question was, is this the best job in the world? No. No. No, thanks. It would just be hell. Oh, my God. It would just literally be hell on earth. I agree. To do this. To follow no, rich people around and take Instagram photos of them. I would no. plot to kill them. I really would. I absolutely would. Yeah, I'd, I'd start to photograph them thinking of them like, what could I do to could yep. I poison this one? I, I couldn't do it. You know what I would do? I would get them to the Grand Canyon. And then have them on the edge of the Grand Canyon and take pictures. You could just take one step back. <laughs> this would be the perfect shot if you all, right now, just... What a great shot. Hold on. I want you all to just to jump backwards. <laughs> That'd be awful. Yeah, no, this would just... I, I just would not well, do Well, rich this. people now, they take their cooks. They've got cooks. Like, there are rich people. A lady I knew that worked here for the school school board, her daughter is a private chef for a hugely rich, like, disgustingly wealthy family in West Vancouver. And she also sometimes um, does extra as being sort of the nanny, too. Yeah. So, cook and nanny. Is she getting paid stupid amounts of money to do it? Oh, I don't know. Is she traveling with them? Or does she go? She does some. She does See, that sometimes. I wouldn't do. That, yeah. Now, the... I would change this job to be, I'm going to go, I'm going to do all this stuff for you, but I'm also going to teach you how to take better pictures of your family, you <laughs> lazy bastards. Well, why do they have to bother? They can pay someone to do it. Uh, there's something so servile about this. Oh, well, there you go. I just don't, uh, I don't care how rich I am. I'm not going to hire someone to take pictures of me. I know. In front of the pyramids and shit. Just do it yourself. <laughs> You lazy bastard. Uh, and then yeah, oh, and then you have to socialize with them and be with them and follow them around and oh. Yeah, no. Wonder why they're so rich. Don't care. Don't care. Mm. This is a problem. This is an issue or something I've seen happen here in Vancouver just recently since I moved back. Um so we, we all know that there are uh, very few buildings, uh high-rise apartments, um, office buildings that have a 13th floor. Mm -hmm. For that Odd. Do you believe in that? Do, do you? No. No, I have no. I'm not superstitious that way. I'm, not, I'm superstitious, but not that way. Yeah. Friday the 13th doesn't bother me. It's kind of a cute thing to, to remember or notice. 13th floor of a hotel, don't care. If it's there, they put me on it. Eh, I'm okay with it. But, so you know, there's a lot of places that don't have a 13th floor. Yes. It always makes me wonder if you're on the 14th floor. Do you not realize you're on the 13th floor? Well, yeah. Like, just because it's named the 14th yeah. floor doesn't mean that it is. But I noticed this in Vancouver uh, a couple summers ago when I was working with uh, Save on Food as a delivery guy. A lot of buildings, not all of them, but a lot of the newer buildings in Vancouver don't have a fourth floor. Why? Or any floor with the number four in them. Why? I know. Isn't that is weird? Is it a Chinese it thing? It is. It's yep. an Asian thing because in the Chinese language both in Cantonese and Mandarin, the word for the number four sounds like death. Mm. So they don't like the number four. Mm -hmm. So all these buildings will go one, two, three, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, fifteen. Mm. And then 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20, 20, 20 23, 25. Mm. And it gets really confusing. Mm. Mm. How odd. So Vancouver has just started to stop this practice that we're doing it for the longest time. And now they're like, okay, no, this is stupid. Okay, enough. It's yeah. confusing people. It's confusing as firemen. Mm. What am I doing? 15th floor. Because I didn't realize this. Firemen, um, for high-rise apartments, fires, pressurize their hoses differently. Mm. And so if they think they're going to the 25th floor, mm. they'll pressurize for 25 floors. Right. But because all those number, all those floors are missing, yeah, they, they can't pressurize. They, they don't know which Oh. And they don't may not know ahead of time which buildings have this numbers and which ones don't. So just stop it. Okay? Just stop it. Mm. You know what you know what the solution is? 
don't buy a condo on the fourth floor. Buy one on the fifth floor instead. Well, there's just some strange... I get catering to a certain demographic because that's who you're selling it to, mm-hmm. but you're also getting really silly about this. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm not meaning to, to put down a culture, the Chinese culture, but this is kind of silly. Okay, I agree. You can do it in China. But sure. now we're in North America and... You know, in Canada, we have this thing in Canada where uh, we, we're big in multiculturalism. And the idea in Canada is, unlike the American idea of a melting pot, where you come to America and become American, in Canada, it's you come to Canada and you bring your traditions and your culture. Because we'll cater to every single one if we can. Because <laughs> sorry if we don't. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and there's my point. <laughs> uh, I mean, but, it's Australia's like America. But after a while... We're getting kind of silly. It, we are. Enough already. <sighs> it's like, you know, we're being racist because we allow there to be a fourth floor. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it, no? it can get out of hand. I think in this case, this is definitely, definitely out of hand. Yes. Let's go on to our advice section of the show. How weird is it that my six year old son got some lumps of coal as a gift? Well, it's not that weird, except. My six-year-old son is obsessed with gems and jewelry. Acquaintances, charmed by his budding interest in geology, mailed him some stones. The stones in question are two lumps of coal and some rocks that gathered from Mount Rushmore. Am I thinking this is a bizarre gift for a kid? No. It's wonderful. <laughs> Rory has got his father. Uh, we've got masses of minerals and rocks for Rory still. The coal, unfortunately, is very shiny, which means my son loves it. It's currently sitting on the top of his dresser. I find the lumps of coal... Unpleasant. <laughs> okay. Imagine working in it, lady. Yeah, really. Also, the underground. Kids like, the kids like to play with them, and bits break off. Well, then stop them from playing with it. Be a parent. Or you give them a structure. They sit up at the table and they play with it and talk about it and whatever. I have read that coal can self-combust. Oh. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes, it can, but your child can't create that much pressure. <laughs> Doesn't it become a diamond exactly. under a lot of pressure? <laughs> Jesus. Do a Google search. Oh, dear. It's also, depending on the purity of the coal, slightly radioactive. Ah! Everything is. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Clean freak, maybe? Something? I have no idea what kind of coal it is. And I realize these are not big issues. Not like to catch on fire and make us sick. They are big lumps of coal. Whenever I think about dealing with them, I come back to the weirdness of us having them in the first place. I should mention that in a loose, doomsday-type way, my son understands the role coal plays in climate change. He's six. Oh, he's just a little boy. That's adult stuff. You put way too much pressure on this poor child. (laughs) He seems to feel guilty and wants to back him up on how pretty the coal is, despite him thinking it's essentially evil. You are raising a kid who will be in therapy for years. Wow. It's a lump of coal, lady. She wouldn't want to live without Rory. You should see all the rocks in his room. I mean, you can't leave the beach without pockets full of rocks. Oh, you're no kidding. <laughs> I just, I want that. No, Rory, no more, Rory, no more rocks. And, and then the- I'll hear it in the washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> Huge rocks. The funny thing for me is he expects you to carry it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no, now I'll go, nope. <laughs> and, then, and then for me, I don't know if you've been noticing, I've been throwing them away. I do. I put them out under the apple tree. Oh, see that big does. pile of rocks out there? He no, he doesn't. You see what you do? But, but if it was coal and he was six, I would definitely be letting him keep that. Yeah. He has got so many rocks and minerals. Yeah, I've seen We've them. got great. rocks from Australia. He's got his rock from Mount Steel that he climbed with his dad um, this summer. Yep. And I, that's special. They're his rocks. Yep. And I would never take them away. Like not the real ones that people have given him. My daughter's friend, who grew up in foster care, likes to call me mom. I don't want to sound like a meanie McMeanie, but I only want my daughter to call me mom. I cringe every time her friend says the M word, but I never correct her. I've been super kind to her by buying her things, making sure she has food at home, and giving her rides from work. Should I just suck it up? I think that if you're not comfortable with it, you can say, you know what? I feel more comfortable if you call me whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, if you feel funny about it, every time she says it, you're feeling weirder and weirder. And you're also, you I don't know what what emotions the young girl is putting on that either. No. It's not her mum. 
There's a lot of there's a lot of pressure and responsibility that comes along with the word mum and expectations and expectations and, and maybe what she's worried about. I would change it. I would go no. Let's not do that. Let's pick another name. But you got to do it gently. You of do it course kindly. you would. You're not going to go stop calling me mum. Yeah. You crappy little foster kid. <laughs> <laughs> Do it gently. Oh dear. I love this story. My daughter in law enjoys knitting and crochet. Did we have to tell this one? Enjoyed knitting and crocheting. For her birthday, my husband and I gave her a generous gift card to a local yarn store, for which she thanked us and seemed very pleased. Imagine my dismay, however, when six months later for her anniversary, she gifted us with a lovely bedspread, which she told me made was made with the yarn purchased with the gift card. I told my son that we'd in effect paid for our own present and that he needs to communicate to his wife how improper and stingy this was. He refuses, saying that her labor and time are also part of the gift. We haven't spoken much since, except to discuss our grandchildren, and our daughter-in-law has been outright cold. I'm considering writing her a letter directly explaining why this was an improper gift and expressing my sadness oh my that her own parents didn't teach her gift etiquette. My husband wants me to drop the whole thing and pretend like it never happened. Prudy, I don't like the idea of moving on as if nothing happened. Oh, get a life. <laughs> I think that is so precious that she did that. She did that with love. She thought, oh, get their favorite colors. And she did that with love and thought and using all of her muscles in her hands and her eyes and what you have to use. And she gave you a beautiful gift. Oh, my God. That is just awful. This was written by a crazy person. Oh. I mean, you're a crazy person. Get out of here. Just unbelievable that you would think that the two are exactly the same. Yeah. And even if they were, she didn't She didn't go to the yarn store with that gift card, buy a hundred bucks with the yarn, and then give you the yarn. No, like here, <laughs> thanks. You know, No, she made it into something beautiful for you to put on your bed. That is, oh. oh. It's something she oh, loves dear. doing. She loves crocheting. She loves yarning, whatever whatever that is. Yeah. What is it? Crocheting, knitting. Knitting is the oh. word. I forgot the word. <laughs> And she made something that you admittedly said was attractive. Just shut up. Oh, let it go, lady. Crazy people. Oh. I've always locked the front door after a guest or delivery person has left my home. My husband says this is rude as it implies I'm either happy someone is gone or afraid a stranger will be dangerous. <laughs> is it rude to lock my front door after showing someone out of it? If my husband is home, is locking it unnecessary since I'm not alone? If I'm alone... In my home, when seeing people out, is it not considered rude or rather a smart safety measure? I'd appreciate your insight, as I'm not doing it to send a message of rudeness, but rather my own fear of having an unlocked door. <laughs> so just lock your door. Lock your goddamn door. I mean, I can see you don't close it and go, Meh, and lock it really loudly and put all your locks across as soon as they're off the, then when they're not even off the front step yet. Even if you do, who cares? Who cares? Like they're out of the house if you're safe and you don't want to get out of the habit of it because then one time your husband might not be home and you don't lock it and, well, I don't want to say nothing's what could happen. happen. Well, nothing's going to happen. But you, you know you got to jump up out of your warm bed in the middle of the night and run and lock your door. Again, I used to deliver groceries to save on to many apartments and homes. And it was no big deal when, you know, as soon as I, hey, here's your groceries, yeah. sign here. Thanks very much. Have a good day. I turn, click, lock. Okay. So what? Big deal. Okay. I don't think it's rude at all. It's I not rude. It's I never, not. As, as a delivery person, I'm telling you it's not rude. Yeah. I don't think of it, oh, bitch, she could have waited <laughs> 10 more seconds. You know, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> the nerve because otherwise what you're what she, what her husband is expecting her to do is stand is there wait <laughs> listening waiting for the ding of the elevator and then locking it yeah yes. you know I mean, or I'll or standing there in your home by a quiet lock <laughs> looking out the window <laughs> waiting for the neighbors to go down okay the now now no 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 no, no, just, no, just, no. Lock, just lock the lock bloody the door. door oh my god <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm in a four-year relationship, four-year long relationship with my girlfriend, and we re recently. I'm in a four-year long relationship with my girlfriend, and we recently just moved in together. Good for you guys. Lovely. A few nights ago, she was upset at the fact that we still aren't married after four years. Is that fair? I'll leave. We'll stop right there. Is that is four years too long? If you're living together, if you've been in, a, in theory a committed relationship, should you be married by by the time four years has gone by? 
I think it varies from person to person. Really? Uh, four years. It's just that I'm. I grew up in Australia. I mean, I'm thinking my brother was with the Kath for forever. They were together for like eight years before they got married. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, that seems long to me. But it's up to each person to decide when. Well, time I suppose is. it's up to each person because it depends on what level of commitment are you thinking that is. If you've been together for four years and you've moved in together, some people don't believe in marriage anymore. I keep telling her that I'm not ready to be married until I'm at a certain financial level. I reminded her how far I've come to fulfill that goal of the past four years, and that, got, and that got her to calm down again. My concern is that she's done this a few times already, and I have to keep reminding her as to why I'm not ready. I feel like she's pressured me into marriage due to the fact that her mother does not approve of us living together. Also, I think she feels guilty for disappointing her mother. I explained to her that living together before marriage is a great way to truly know each other. She also tells me that she's impatient with waiting, which she thinks will be years before I'm at a financial level. We both love each other, and I don't want her to feel like I never want to marry her. How shall I handle this situation without making her think that? You can't, dude. You can't. If That's- she doesn't believe it, if she's if she's mixed, if it's all mixed up with guilt from mom and guilt, and as a daughter, maybe she never will. There's nothing you're going to be able to do to convince her that you don't want to marry her. That's just after four years. That's what's in her head. And she's going to have that stuck in her head. There's no way you're getting out of that, dude. You're stuck there. So what you have to do is decide whether that's okay or suck it up and marry her, which doesn't sound like you're you're going to. You have to find some way to explain to her, yes, I want to marry you, just not right now. But I also can't say in two years, in three years, in six months. You've got to get – she either has to to, – you have to go through couples therapy together Break up, because she's going to keep doing this. There's no way around this. This you guys have, you guys are at an impasse because there's there's, there's no compromise. It's marriage or not marriage, right? There's there's no halfway measure here. So he's saying, I just want to be at a certain point, and I want to be together in the same place for a while, and she isn't accepting that. The so. problem is I have with his logic and reasoning is he doesn't want to get married till he's in a better financial place. What difference does that make if they're living together? They're functionally married now. Mm-hmm. Marriage is not going to cost them more money than no, what it is. No, if they live together for two years, they're common law, yes. and that's it. And yeah. what, what you could do is in two years, <clears throat> in, 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 in one year, 11 months, and 29 days, go, I'm out. Mm-hmm. But, so that's not an excuse, the financial aspect of it. If it's marriage and have children two days later, that's different. Mm-hmm. But if... It's going to be status quo with the only difference that you've got a ring on your finger. Mm. What's the big deal? Mm. If you do want to marry her. Mm. Well, obviously he doesn't. Otherwise he would have. That is, I think, the key. He actually doesn't want to marry her right now. Mm. He might change his mind in the future, in which case he's going to keep her dangling on a string. That's what I think is going on here. So, hmm, that's interesting. So what does she do? Does she say, you know what, I'm, I'd feel better if we were talking about marriage and yep. so I'm going to move back home or whatever? Yeah, I, I think the girl's solution, without, without having her written the uh, the letter, her guilt with her mom, that's on her. She has to deal with that. She can't let mom pressure her mm-hmm. doing that kind of thing. That was her mom's generation. It's not your generation. It's no big deal now to be, air quotes, living in sin. So don't don't let mom pressure you about that stuff. If mom brings it up, just say, Mom, I don't want to talk about it. We've already talked about it. This is the way I'm living my life. You mm-hmm. can't live my life. You can't tell me how to live my life. Mm-hmm. But you, th- you then go to the boyfriend and you say, it feels like you don't want to marry me right now. Because the financial aspect of it does not change the day after you get married. It doesn't cost you more money than what you are living together. Mm, it's a difficult one because, you know, weddings cost money and things no, like that. No, they don't. That. What, what are those costs? hundred bucks? If oh, well, it depends on what she wants. They, well, there. That's a whole other thing, That's a too. whole other letter. You know, if, if, so. if he's talking about that, the financial aspect of getting married, then all she has to do is say, well, it won't cost. We'll go to City Hall. Mm. Get married 50 bucks. Mm. Very tricky. I th- but it shouldn't have to be tricky. You know what I'm saying? Mm. There's no need. If you want to be that bridezilla we talked about off off the top, then yes, things are going to get tricky. But that's a whole different 
So do you think he's making excuses? Yes. I, th- I think he's actually making excuses trying to get out of the marriage, which guys and girls, to be fair, have been known to do. But then why move in with somebody and be out four years and then moving in and not because still not there yet? I'd be willing to bet that she's pressured him enough that he says, okay, here's a compromise. We'll move in together. Oh, and then the pressure is still going yeah. on. Yeah. He okay. thought the pressure would be up because living together, just just like being married, same thing. That's what that's what was. It essentially it, it, it is. is in the eyes of the law. It becomes all eventually. of the same thing eventually. So I think that's. I think he's just waiting for Miss Wright, and she's Miss Wright now. Oh dear. Okay. Weird. Eh, I don't know if it's weird, but it's definitely. A, uh, that's it. We, we, we another quick show. Oh, it felt like a quickie, didn't it? It did feel like a I quickie. Hate quickies. <laughs> um, as always, send us emails to dltu at yml.me and uh, subscribe to the show on the uh, iTunes app. Sorry, brain, brain cramp there. Uh, subscribe. It's full dark at four o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, it's just and <laughs> full dark. I mean, pitch black. Because, you know, I get very anxious thinking, oh my God, I haven't started my practice yet and it's yeah. late and it's not late. It's not late. It's four o'clock in the freaking afternoon. But what day? We've only 21st. Got... Okay, the 21st, it turns around. Yeah, 10 more days to go. 10 more days. Hang in there, kiddo. <sighs> um, that's it. Uh, this has been Don't Listen to Us. I've been Sean King. I'm Melissa King. You've been listening to the show called Don't Listen to Us. I screwed that up. <laughs> so don't. Don't. Just don't. Stop it. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> See ya. Bye.